This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK, a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. My name is Pedro Dorantes and I am again joined by both halves of the Han brothers. Alex, how are you doing? I am recovering after Sunday, but not too bad otherwise. Thank you, Pedro. That's mm, good to know. The man under the weather battling with two <laughs> different sorts of complications. How are you doing, Chris? <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, what Pedro's trying to do, I've been ill uh, for the last couple of days. Um, it is yet unknown as to whether that's been because of certain things that happened on Sunday, but we, we may see whether or not they're connected after, the, uh, after this podcast. <laughs> guys i think for the first time in my seven or so years watching f1 this is the first time that i've said thank god the season's over i've had mm. that feeling as well i there is i've i went growing up in the 90s when there was 16 races and it was always nice because the end of october you you go into christmas halloween new year whatever have a nice big old break for motorsport and then March starts up again. Don't get that anymore. Mm. And it's almost too much just over too long a period. It's, it's a lot of time spending concentrating on racing and it, mm. is, it loses a little bit of magic by having too many. Mm. I'm, I, I, I will have to disagree because we talked about this on the previous podcast the magic of an F1 race starting always grips me and even if I'm reporting on every single race as much as I can um, yes there's a lot of work going on there obviously and you have to consider a large amount of empathy uh, for the people that they, the people behind the scenes working on these instances I've had times where I'm like okay I'm glad the season's over because I want to get started with the next one this one has just been I'm glad the season's over because could we have had another race in this season following what we just had? Um, yes, I know. It's a, it's a pretty dire situation we're in at the moment. I'm still looking forward to the next one. I'm still, I'm, I'm the optimist, as I'm sure you guys are aware. I'm, I'm ever the glass half full sort of chap. And yes, I'm looking forward to the next season. Um, I, I'm hoping there's a little bit more time where this season won't be as tarnished as it has been. Mm. Because reflecting on it now, the flashpoints at the end of the year are sticking out somewhat. And while I'm sure we'll discuss who our personal preferences were and our opinions about the positions of our preferences at the end of the championship, um, it's a shame that the other 20, well, there's 22 races overall, it's a shame the other 20 aren't possibly getting, aren't going to be as remembered as, as significant as they might be had it ended under normal circumstances. Indeed. So, shall we dare rate the race? Ooh. I mean... Ooh. Great question. <laughs> Would 33 out of 10 be bad? <laughs> um, I think the issue is it's the, the issue is it's the race itself, and it's been said so many times, was entertainment value as opposed to sporting value. And if you look at the race from a neutral's perspective, which I've talked to many people who are neutrals, they were left confused and left utterly befuddled by what on earth happened in the last in the last in the last bit. Honestly, the race wasn't that spectacular. Um, overall, Lewis drove off into the lead, a lead that until Perez came along and looked unassailable. That was amazing, by the way, that little battle, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And then, of course, the ending and all the drama spiced it up. It actually didn't add any points to the overall ranking. It added excitement, it added drama. Both of those with their huge asterisks next to them, massive asterisks that will be remembered more than the race will be. Um, so it's one of those races I genuinely can't judge it overall. It's I feel like I 
my head's saying like two out of five. I mean, it was a race. Is that is is an Abu Dhabi is an Abu Dhabi special? Let's be completely honest. That was what we expect from Abu Dhabi in these finales. Just not the last two laps, obviously. Um, it's because of how much it's influenced and changed the championship overall. I feel like it's weird to try and give us a score. Mm-hmm. How about you, Alex? Unlike Chris, I can give a nice big old round number for this, zero? this race. Yes, it's zero. <laughs> it's exactly zero. Because the sporting integrity of the race is null and void. So it, it has to be a zero. Whatever happened on track is absolutely nullified what happened in the last two minutes, uh, two laps. And not just Hamilton and Verstappen. It's all the drivers in the midfield who, the five that got to go past the leader and the rest that didn't. On a sporting level, it has to be a zero. It can't be anything higher than that. Then again, if I were to ask, what about in a let's let's be completely one sided here. Let's say on just an entertainment value, taking sporting out of the line, does that give it at least one mark? Oh, on, on oh, entertainment absolutely. value, it's got to be a four and a half. Okay, four four and a half. It has to be because it is. You've got uh, Hamilton at the beginning gets the launch off the line, takes the lead. That's a bit of entertainment. Then Verstappen having a go on that one. That's another bit of entertainment. Perez, as you mentioned, doing his thing. That was epic. And the last, whatever, five laps it was. So, yeah, on an entertainment value, on a WWE-esque level, <laughs> it's very entertaining. Yeah. 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 I mean, on that sort of level, yeah, absolutely. It's a 20 out of, out of 10 entertainment value. And I think... Mm. Twitter actually proves that quite well because you have two sides of the equation. You have the, the you know the sort of casual or newer fans that are going crazy about the race, and then there's people like us going crazy because the sporting uh, you know as, as Alex said the sporting element of of what is a sport was essentially thrown to the trash. Hmm. Yeah, it was the. Yeah, no, no, I'm going to single out Michael Massey because he's the race director. It might have been other people making a decision with him. I'm looking at Horner and Wolf for their lobbying, something I wouldn't expect to say in a sports podcast. Is <laughs> it's Yeah, I have to single out Massey on the basis he made the wrong decision and hasn't owned up to it. Yep. Yeah. And it he was the probably. wrong decision. Yeah, and depending, well, <clears throat> now that we've had the the appeal isn't happening. Well, the, the big appeal isn't happening going to the courts by Mercedes. Uh, it's the interesting thing, interesting thing to see is whether Mazzi will leave his role in the next month or two. He's got to, surely. After his last few races, he absolutely has to. It's a bit untenable, his position currently. He's got no respect from any of the drivers, any of the teams, and it's just going to be a crash fest next year. And at this, point, at this point, any of the fans... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of the uh, hardcore uh, educators is the wrong word. The fan who knows more than the average fan. Yeah, yeah. The dedicated fan. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's very difficult to have respect for someone who doesn't have respect for the rules he's supposed to be following. I mean, maybe it's maybe I'm a pessimist, but I truly think that somehow someone in Netflix will get their hand in the decision and keep Massey right where it is. I don't think Netflix have... I'm hoping Netflix don't have as much authority as it might be. Obviously, they've raised the interest significantly, but... 
when it comes down to that, they've got to understand what the overall goal is. And I'm hoping the overall goal isn't to make sure that season four, three, four of Drive to Survive is the best one yet. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're not going to be, it's four, season four, thank you, Alex. I'm hoping it's not that it's not that significant. I'm hoping that's the case. But again, I'm just I'm just a guy chilling in church. I have no idea the inner workings of Formula One. I will say if Netflix have got any leverage on the FIA, then the FIA need to be disbanded instantly. Indeed. It's one thing if they got it on F1, the Liberty Media, that's that's fair enough. They're, it's a brand and it is they are promoting a brand. So you would expect there to be some sort of overlap. However, if the FIA get any way involved with Netflix as in any conversation other than can we go into your paddock for this race weekend then there's a real problem there conflict of interest right indeed uh, just as a starter I could that's yeah. there's so many other ways you could go and it was uh, one of my friends actually today made an interesting comment of so wait, there's talk of people going litigation going to court but he suggested that um, Liberty Media should sue the FIA because the mm. FIA brought their brand into disrepute. Mm. I don't think it will happen, but however, I would like to think that Liberty Media are on the back of Jean Tortet going, what are you doing, you silly man? What have you done? Well, the thing is, he's leaving now, so hopefully the introduction of a new president and possibly somebody who else somebody else who can actually you know give us a certain set of rules of course we have the new rule changes next year anyway perhaps make, make next year the next proper era of formula one where there's actually black and white rules that everyone has to follow by because like even just the comparisons i mean look like again i'm i'm not on either side here maybe playing devil's advocate who knows um but the turn one instance in saudi arabia where verstappen got penalized <laughs> and what happened with hamilton then they're a little bit different in some ways, but there's enough differences to draw that, that maybe it should have at least been investigated. The fact it changes mm. race to race cannot be, uh, that can't be something that continues going forwards, especially not when you've got the bloody teams lobbying. I mean, they said they've already said they're going to back out of that. But somebody came into me in a conversation with one of my work colleagues who knows I watch Formula One because everyone, everyone where I work knows I watch Formula One, um, came up to me and said, so what's this? why are they allowed to judge? Like, why are they allowed to talk to the referee? What's that about? The fact that even just the casual observer who's watching it only because it was free on live TV was able to pick up on that just shows how much of a farce that part of it is. And I'm glad they've taken immediate action. Too little, too late, but hey, at least they're mildly listening. Yeah. Should we step to uh, into... Red Bull second driver for a bit. Oh, Paris? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Because that was some proper good driving. Had it not been for Kimi Raikkonen's last race, he would have deserved driver of the day. I feel possibly Hamilton as well for doing such a stellar drive. Um, But like, Mm. yet again, we've seen Perez show such racing credibility in a way. And how many times this year have we seen Perez and Hamilton coming together and it's edge of your seat stuff for more than one corner? I mean, this as well. Like, I, I, was texting, I was texting Alex and my family about this when it was happening. And I was in a kind of a down and dumps mood because I've got, I've got a bet with my dad that I thought Verstappen would win. I was like, oh, I'm going to lose this bet, blah, 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 blah. And like, Perez is going to hold him up for like one corner. He's not going to be able to hold him up. Hamilton went past and went, ha! And then, of course, he fought back. I'm like, well, okay, maybe hold on for I said, text, maybe hold him up for a little bit. Then they were side by side again. Maybe we'll hold him up for a little bit longer. End of that lap, I was like, okay, I'll eat my words now. I was completely wrong. <laughs> and it, it's it's good. To, it, it does surprise me that Perez has that skill because there was a time a while back 
That his will to real action. Hmm? Bahrain 2013 against Jensen, for example? Well, just, just his, it wasn't just Bahrain 2013, it was the rest of that damn season and a few other incidences in the few years past that he did like hitting stuff yep. quite a lot of the time, even his teammates. And there was one in, was it, was it Monaco where he smashed into a wall and hit Raikkonen at the chicane or something? Yes. He did the dive down. Yeah. Now he found the technical inside of that bit and just got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's that element of him has gone. And that's quite, it does improve him as a, as a driver. Although I think his Nadir was single 2018. And since then, he has improved markedly, particularly uh, wheel to wheel combat. Yeah. Mm. And I think he's been one of the outstanding drivers in that case this year. Um, just for wheel to wheel action. It's, he's one of the first yeah. drivers that comes to mind. And I guess the, the ability for a driver to lose seven seconds from somebody else from the lead by parking in the apex completely fairly. There's no yeah. point there. I mean, how much you came on the radio said that's dangerous driving, to which you're all kind of like, mm. nah. Uh, you, you're a racer in first place. I can understand why you feel that, but this was just superb racecraft. And I mm. like that's the thing. You he couldn't have done that job more perfectly, like without literally letting Verstappen, like, unless he did somehow like a Massa Alonso 2012, held him up to let Verstappen through. There was nothing more he could have done and he couldn't have done it better. That was possibly one of the moments of the season for me. That was just superb to see. With so much on the line, team player, all that jazz, it was really nice to see. And I, I liked his comments afterwards where he hopes Lewis understands he's doing something for his current team. And somebody who this time last year, well, this time last year, maybe a week, didn't have its team. Yeah, batting down the hatches. Yeah, do what you can to get that role. You might have had yeah. about what, 10, well, no, so seven less podiums than Bottas this year, but still show that you're worthwhile. And with that, with his win in Azerbaijan, inherited win or whatever you want to say, the fact he was there to win puts him in that good of a yeah. position. Anyway. And some stellar drives. He's deserved that second seat for next year. Don't forget he's had the same amount of wins as Bottas this year. Is that so oh, much? <laughs> no, it, it kind of does. <laughs> so I guess we know that we know that what say that again? They've almost had the same. They've also had the same amount of wins as Ocon and Ricardo. But then that that's a more embarrassing statistic for the both of them. But I was oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Then. Ah, derailed. You've completely derailed me there. We've got a turn on. Oh, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. That was the only problem with Perez this year. He's never been the class of the field. He's never yeah. been the best driver on a Sunday. Bottas has done it once admittedly it's only once but he still did it but I think that's what Perez needs to do next year is have a race or two where he is the best driver fastest best on the tyres all of it and just I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree but I think there's something that's more important that he needs for next year and that's consistency that's actually that's a very good point if you're going to be if you're going to be fifth, or right, be fifth, but be fifth every single Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I think what was interesting this year was how the improvement of Saturday, like even though he got second in Emola from qualifying, his improvement from the gaps which he'd leave and then driving through the field on Sunday did shorten from the fact he qualified better. I would just love to see next year. This will never happen. And if it does, feel free to use this clip forever and ever because it'll prove that I'm right. If somehow he gets a better grip of that Red Bull next year than the Staffen does, woo, that could be fun. <laughs> well, you... yes, that does also make the assumption that Red Bull are going to be near the front. Mm. I think he's he's too much of a good teammate for, for no, that he's... to happen. Yeah, it's it's that level of 
it's the jump between being very good, which is both where Bottas and Perez are, to being a great, which is where Verstappen and Hamilton are. Mm-hmm. And it's that little element that you can't... Well, it's just that extra tenth of a second, that extra it's the, 10% it's the fact of less wear on your tyres during a race. It's that it's the fact little that top bit two, of extra Verstappen skill. Hamilton, it's the fact that top two, Hamilton and Verstappen, have consistently showed this year they're about 40 seconds ahead of the rest of the grid. Granted, yes. car differences, I know. But how many times this year have we seen those two and then a f- like numerous football fields in comparison to a third place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're gone. What I'll be very interested next year when Russell's in a Mercedes to see just how good Hamilton and Russell actually are. That, I gotta say, that's if, you know, this is not our Christmas special when we look at the next season, but that's the one thing I'm most excited about. Yeah. Alongside the new rule changes when you can have a different order as a driver lineup, that is lovely. Also, Mercedes is turning back to silver, so that's always nice. No, nothing, yes, different yeah. last three, nothing different for the last three years. I've been constantly excited by George Russell. So whatever happens, is it'll be fine by me. <laughs> yes, but this time he's in a car that can actually do something good on a consistent basis and not get a little bit lucky at, at the Belgian GB. Hmm. He wasn't a little bit lucky at Sakir. He was very unlucky at Sakir. But again, he that's, was very for the, that's for the Christmas finale. One thing I feel like we need to discuss. Um, I'm going to just derail it slightly. because I want to I make sure we discuss this in detail. When the last lap started, what were your guys' emotions? Like, what were you guys feeling as the last lap happened? Crofty went into different levels of, you know, pitch. What were you feeling watching that last lap unfold? For reference, I didn't, I don't uh, listen to the races with Crofty. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, but it was a mixture between, I guess, excitement. It was... 10% excitement and 90% was just pure anger. Hmm. Yeah, it was just that feeling of it's just unfair and that yeah. it was wrong. Not unfair, but wrong. That Because it's, unfair isn't necessarily a, some, a tangible thing in motorsport. Because if you're in a position, because it, it could have been that they were in that position fairly. So unfair is the wrong word. The issue is it's just wrong. That's just, you could feel it. And you, I felt my heart beating through my chest saying, this is going to go very badly wrong here. Either there's going to be a massive crash or the FIA are about to get their arse handed to them. Yeah. Mm. And actually, the, the Spanish commentator, was well, he's Argentinian, but, you know, the guy, uh, our version of Crafty, to put it that way, mm. actually yeah. said it. He said, okay, this is really exciting, but this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening by any means. Or anyway, yeah, it's just. I think to be honest, we got uh, he got around the first few corners. I was thinking, all right, Hamilton might be able to keep this. He might be able to make a fight of this, and then this happened, chucked it down the inside into the hairpin, and thought, oh no, that's over. Yep. Hmm. Although getting back, yeah. Although getting back alongside him down the second back straight was a no mean feat in a car with tyres that old. Yeah. Uh, had there been the tiniest of gaps, Hamilton would have put himself in the inside, and that would have been very interesting. Hmm. So, had it been, say the lap, say the race was two laps longer, the lapped cars were allowed to unlap themselves, and let's say Mercedes make the same blunder. Let's say, because I, 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 as much as I know there are some stuff going on, Mercedes did choose not. Uh, was Hamilton too far to pit, or did they just choose not to? Because that radio message, which was just I... for the longest time, wasn't like, it? Wasn't it a, a mix of both things? Yeah, 
Um, if, if it had been that case and it had been a lap longer, all lap cars were allowed to unlap. Hamilton, Mercedes, let's let's let, let philosophically, I'm um, sorry, metaphorically, no, not metaphorically, hypothetically, there you go. Let's say Hamilton, Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, Mercedes made the same mistake, one lap longer, all cars unlap, and then it's one lap. Verstappen doing the same technique, obviously. Would that have been more palatable? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because then no rules are broken. Nothing, there's no, the procedure isn't broken and it is based on strat- a strategy call, which is done throughout the season. This, just this one resulted in a championship rather than a race win. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I mean, when they first said that cars were not going to be lapped, I kind of, you know, I, I wasn't angry at it at the beginning because that's something that I've seen many, many times before in NASCAR when you're running out of laps. They just don't let the cars go by because they don't have enough laps to do so. And I go, okay, that's not properly in the rules, but there's no more time. Yeah. And then they changed their rules and then everything inside me just snapped. Yeah. It's, it would have been, well, in fairness, I think you have to, they just gone on, if they hadn't let those five cars go, they would have all jumped out of the way before turn one, I think. Bar possibly Ricardo. I think there's a chance that's bar, yeah. yeah, they'd have just got out of the way and then you've got a, what, say a four second gap, four or five second gap to Verstappen. I think he'd have got that down to about a second by the end of that lap. And I think you would have got to the end of that and they would may have had a look into the last couple of corners, yeah. which oh, would have been very interesting. My thought is that they would have been a second with a second during the last turn change um, after the should have been DRS zone, obviously not because yeah. of the safety car rules. Yeah. I think that would have ended in the crash. That would have been Verstappen lunging into it. And I feel like we would be in a completely different scenario where we're discussing, okay, Verstappen won the championship because of a collision, which took them both out. That's what I. That's what my mind would have seen happening. Like not a deliberate well, pro- collision, not suggesting a deliberate collision. It's just no. Be a and they would the have- problem is you'd then have the argument of people going, he's crashed out and cannot get penalised because the championship's been won. Therefore, they'll be fighting. There'll be people, Mercedes fighting for a points deduction or something. That's so you'd have had another bigger issue, possibly on the day, as opposed to lasting as long as it has with the appeal yeah. we've finished this today no, yeah it's, it's not been lodged again and that's the thing feeling like the one thing i'm glad about this and that's not saying much the one thing i'm glad is that it wasn't a fault of a team or driver like because that would have been so much worse I and mean, well having, it, a, having, having a finger to point with apart from the fia obviously blaming on a team or driver that would have been so much worse yeah but this way it makes it very powerful that ha- that verstappen won because he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And, and he what, him and team did the right thing, which was do what you do, try and get the best strategy and win. It's just unfortunate that that strategy shouldn't have been allowed to give them the win in the yeah. way that it did. I think that, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a fact as well. I mean, there's, we can we can talk for hours about how the teams have conducted themselves. What's been quite nice is that everyone's kind of gone, well, uh, especially Mercedes, Verstappen is a deserving champion in a way, just this wasn't the way he deserved it. And that's something I can kind of stand by. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to put my hands up here. I wanted Verstappen to win the championship. I'm at a level happy that he did. I'm not happy. I'm there's, Of all people to quote, Jeremy Clarkson, and I hate myself for this. Jeremy Clarkson said, I'm delighted at the result. I'm not delighted in how it happened. And that is that that sums it up for me particularly. I'm happy with the result, not happy at all the way it happened. And yeah, it's such a weird position to be in, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, it's it's a common position, I guess. And I wasn't rooting or pulling for anyone, but 
I sure didn't want you know the championship to end this way. Hmm. No, yeah, I, I think after what happened in Jeddah, we saw what could have happened as a finale, and that would have just been unpalatable. We haven't had a finale like that for twenty. Say, am I hang on? Twenty-four years when Schumacher oh, drove into Villeneuve, ninety-seven. Oh, but that, that's different though, because that, that that was a deliberate wrongdoing there from a driver, as opposed to no, no, no. But it, it, it's the same thing. It's still there is a collision at the finale, whether on purpose oh, or not. And then you got ninety-four, which is only three years earlier, which is where that one's a dodgy one. Yeah. And then you've of course go back a few years earlier, and you've got Senna attempting to kill himself, Prost, and people in the crowd. He just wanted to give him a hug. He got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, got the timing very wrong. Here's a hug. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> oh, I can't do it in a car. Oh, no. I didn't think about that. Oh, oh Etten, what were you doing? You can't Elaine, sorry, buddy. You, honestly, if you could know what I was thinking, I'm so sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he hugged him at Adelaide 93. Because this is what I was trying to do at 1990. I've learned. I've, I've finally cracked it, buddy. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> so, so then, in your opinion, guys, in, let's assume Hamilton had pitted. Who would have won the championship? Hamilton. Verstappen would have stayed out, got grid position. Hamilton would have been in the same position and overtaken. Yeah, would, same thing would have happened, but reversed. And then you'd have Red Bull going absolutely nuts about what happened and their utter BS about, ooh, they're, um, they're not very good at losing. A Red Bull would have done exactly the same. Exactly yeah. the same had it been the other way around. <laughs> Except just about a barrister. <laughs> Well, that's their own silly fault for not bringing one. I don't know why yeah. people were complaining about that. Um, that's what I can see. Like going, considering what happened in Jeddah, yeah, just to be safe, let's bring one yeah. with us. <laughs> you should really have one on retainer anyway. So just bring him along or her along. So, yeah, I don't get the problem with them having a barrister because if you are spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds on a sport, you're going to want someone to be able to deal with the legalities of it. Mm-hmm. by admittedly paying them probably millions and millions of pounds but someone's got to do it now before said, sorry. You no, what, what were you going to say I was going to change the tack slightly and talk about how it's been how both teams have dealt with after them uh, the aftermath but I feel like you've probably got a better point I don't know go ahead the other thing I was going to say based on the outcome I've been watching the FIA prize giving uh, prize gala sorry this evening um, something I found interesting is obviously they've taken they've not it wasn't for the photo shoot. They didn't put the um, uh, AMG Mercedes there. They also didn't use the Formula E Mercedes either, which is a topic of conversation. But also, Toto Wolff has decided not to turn up for his integrity. Unsure whether Hamilton's done the same or if it's because he's been getting his knighthood yesterday. Um, dragging in the Formula E team. I can I completely understand where Toto's coming from not turning up. Hamilton, I feel like, genuinely has prior commitments, you know, becoming a knight of the realm. Um, bringing Formula E into this. Is that not a little bit weird? It depends what the end game is for Mercedes in FIA motorsports. There is a, I still think there is a genuine threat. Them, a Renault and Alfa Romeo might just quit on the spot here unless something's done. Because if you are a company who are based, basically who are run from a boardroom, 
who aren't necessarily in love with F1. You're not necessarily going to be able to justify being in a sport where you spend 150 million euros a year on a sport, which the rules change every now and then just because of one individual fancying it at a different time. So it's the manufacturer teams are probably considering their, op, their, their options right now as to whether to stay in. And to be honest, unless something's done by i.e. getting rid of Mazzi and reforming the FIA as required, particularly the stewarding, in all of FIM-run events, then, yeah, I, there is a strong possibility but we could be losing a couple of teams here, I think. The issue is with Mercedes, if they were to pull out, would they pull out their engines as well? Because that affects, oh, yes. thousands, that affects <clears throat> thousands of people. Actually, that's, that's, why they're, that's why they're in such a powerful position at this point, on the basis that they, they power most of the teams on the F1 grid. That's a brilliant They've strategy. They've got... That's a brilliant strategy. Yeah. It, they, they, they've got, they, in a power play, they have the power. You'd be holding, I mean, it hasn't happened, or it's not confirmed, but you'd be holding hostage the entire thing. Yes, they are. Because if you take all awesome. the engines away from Mercedes, um, out, Renault can't really do it because they're not equipped for it, and Ferrari aren't going to do it, and Honda Aston can't. Martin Ferrari. Oh, oh God, <laughs> McLaren, Ferrari, <laughs> Aston Martin, Cosworth, bring them back. That'd be nice. <laughs> Aston fairness, Martin, if... Ford, Cosworth, Double Seven, because it has to have sponsorship somewhere, right? Of course. <laughs> Theory, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the issue is the the, the fingers and the pies here, of which there are many fingers and many pies, and many of those fingers belong to Mercedes. That's the weirdest thing I've ever said on this podcast. I apologise for anybody and everybody who's listening. No, but it was needed to be said. You had to say it. The yeah. way you began that sentence, you have to say it like that. You it put yourself in a position and you just kept on going. I am dying on this pie-fingered hill. <laughs> and it it is... works well. Don't worry about it. Yeah, um... it's... A genuine problem that there are so few engine manufacturers for this sort of reason. Because if Mercedes fancy leaving now and don't fancy spending the 150 million euros a year on a sport which anything might happen from one race to another, and then you've got Williams, McLaren, Aston Martin. I'm sure, is there another one or am I going mad? Uh, sorry, uh, is it Mercedes? Other than Mercedes. Other than Mercedes themselves. But Williams? That's not uh, Williams. That's all of them, isn't it? Is it just the four? Still, that is what, 40% of the grid? Yeah. You can't have a Formula 1 season with all of those teams out of the window. You said Aston Martin? I did say Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, it's all of them. So, really Lewis Hamilton lining up on the grid by himself in Hungary is now going to be F1 2022, just with, I don't know, fucking... <laughs> uh, it, who would it be? Just Leclerc. Just Leclerc at the front of the grid in Ferrari, just going, guys... And what happened here? Ah, okay. Very quick tangent. Autosport released their um, top uh, top fifty drives of the year. Leclerc came sixth in front of Sainz and seventh. Yeah, that's fair enough. On the basis, on the basis that his peaks were higher than Sainz's. Sainz had the consistency, but Leclerc's hires were better. He had two poles. I assume assume by peak you mean peak G-force when he collided with the barriers and took himself out of the race in Monaco. Admittedly, yes, that one as well. But he, and he got, he by, got... pe- by peaks, you also mean the podium places on which he stood, which again was the second place which Signs also did too. But Signs reached three more peaks on that podium while he was always a little bit lower, right? 
you facetious little and also Carlos Sainz who in his first year in Ferrari beat the Wunderkid essentially in his first year of that team does like that peak of the peak of like the championship standings I I would still I would argue that Leclerc had a better season hit because he had better highs Hmm. he should have won the British Grand Prix he was very unlucky not to yes agreed and no, at no point was Sainz ever going to win a Grand Prix this year. He hasn't come close. Not to winning one. No. Fair but play. Two pole, consistent... two pole positions and Sainz wasn't... What was the highest Sainz got? Was he, did he get third or was it fourth? He got second. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, in qualifying. Oh, qualifying. He got a top three, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. I think... I can't, I'm trying to think where. Uh... I can uh, list twenty-two countries. Was it? Was it right? <laughs> was it Russia? I know. He got, he got the podium. In Russia. Yes, he was second in Russia, wasn't he? I was. Okay, yeah. Yes, oh, it was Lando, Lando signs Russell. Wasn't and then it? Russell, yeah. Good job, Pedro. Uh, well, yeah, I gotta it's say, same, it's also before, the same debate with Hamilton and Verstappen because they put we, Hamilton in front of Verstappen. Before we move on, guys, to uh, like our next call because we're running out of time, as we usually do. In I fairness, I think say, we could probably finish this conversation off in the next couple of minutes. Yes, I was just going to say, Leclerc, to me, he's... <laughs> I was going to say on top, but he's not on top. He's ranked yeah. higher than Sainz. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, on the fact that, according to Ferrari's public opinion, or at least Mattia Vinotto's public opinion, he's you know the guy to take them to a driver's championship. Not signs. Signs is completely ignored. Hmm. Bit, well, yeah. this season does mean you can't ignore signs anymore. So Bonotto will have to deal with that. I don't know. Did you see him getting third on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. It's much like Yuki Sonoda. Everyone ignored that, didn't they? Fourth Sonoda place. Fourth? No, what? Yeah, I looked at the standings after everything. What the hell did the Alpha Tauris do here? How is Sonoda fourth and Gasly fifth? What happened? Wait, what? He was fourth? Got fourth. Yeah, Sonoda was fourth and Gasly ended up fifth. I don't know what on earth happened other than Sonoda, Sonoda throwing it down the inside of Bottas on the last lap. And See, I mean throwing so it down disgusted. the inside. I've been so disgusted by this point in the last couple of weeks that I looked at the standings once and I've never looked them again. So I thought it was actually the other way around. And, mm. and it was, no, it was absolutely mental. Yeah, but yeah, and of course, in our Christmas special, we'll discuss both of their performances in detail because Gasly had Gasly needs a significant word, but we should leave that for the Christmas special. Indeed, yes. I think Chris was going to say something about Michael Massey. He was our keynote guy for, for this evening. Oh, I think we all were. I think um, there's two things. I've, I've got a little bit to talk about Michael Massey, and I've got a little bit to talk about Jean Todd from the uh, FIA Prize Gala, which is literally just finished as we're talking about this. Um, mm. With Michael Massey uh, coming into it, it's been I've found it very intriguing that so many people are surprised of the ooh, the one-to-one communication with the teams and how he's handled himself personally. Um, now I remember at the beginning of the season, and I'm sure you guys felt the same way. The first time the FIA team radio popped up wasn't that brilliant wasn't that something new that's something interesting i was i was going to ask not based on massey's performance shall we say 
how do we feel about that now? We've, we've, we've gone on a little bit of detail, but I'd like to just do a little bit of a deep dive because it started off as something that was a little bit harmless, but it's kind of opened us up to a bit of the sport that I don't think, I'm, I'm glad we've seen it because it looks like it's inciting change. Um, but yeah, how did your thoughts change throughout the season on that? My thoughts are that it was a great thing. It was a great tool and a great media asset for TV, but it's something that in the end ended up like many, many things at the end of this championship, something that Michael Massey can take control of, something that he just can't keep, you know, in line. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very well put. It, it's another element of the race weekend where Michael Massey <clears throat> shows that he doesn't have control. And at no point uh, in the last few races, actually, for quite a lot of the season, he doesn't appear to be the man in control of those conversations. Yeah. Because I can always imagine, I know going back to the, oh, Charlie Whiting was amazing stuff. But you could imagine if Mercedes and Red Bull were talking to Charlie Whiting, I could imagine Charlie Whiting just going, shut up and get on with it in such yeah. a way that is respectful and gets people to go, oh, fine, we'll do it. You don't have to like the decision. You just have to be consistent and fair. And that's yeah. something that Mazzy currently is not. His role isn't meant to be a popular one. It's meant to be one that's uh, either fair or, you know, sticks in line with the rules. And we've not seen either. I was going to ask, for me, the worst point of the season on that was the um, <clears throat> was the offering uh, offering situation. Oh, in which Michael Massey also... Which Michael Massey also forgot that Esteban Ocon was in the mix. That I feel is the That's, worst point. And judging, yeah, yeah, judging by your react reactions, you agree with me, right? I do. Yes, that's that's Michael Massey uh, putting his pants down and, and asking everyone to watch him. Look at me, it, it's, ba- it's like the referee in a football match that wants to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. It's that element of it. It's the element what? of utter arrogance. And just wanting people to be looking at him rather than everyone else, despite the fact no one else cares about the referee, which in fairness is kind of what a referee is meant to do. You're meant to be invisible. So therefore hearing from Michael Mazzi over the weekend isn't something you should hear. You should hear in a perfect F1 weekend, you hear nothing from him in the media. Mm. But that's not going to happen. Alex is, by the way, Alex is too proud to admit this sort of thing because he's, he's, he's too British. Alex also used to be a referee of some low leagues football or soccer for our international listeners back in the day. So he, know, he knows a fair bit about that sort of thing. So I feel like Alex's comparison is fairly made there. Um, what it reminds me of is the time that a referee in soccer, football, gave somebody three yellow cards. Now, of course, for those unaware, the rules are two yellow cards, red card just sent off. Two yellow cards is equal one red card. Michael Massey completely forgetting that Esteban Ocon was in the mix whilst giving offers to the title protagonist is, I feel, of a similar level. Like, yep. it's unforgivable in a role, in a way. And while I, don't, while I think the call he made on Sunday, I can understand the twisted logic he was going for. But because this wasn't a one-off scenario, we don't look at Michael Massey's terrible performance in Abu Dhabi. We look at these together. And the issue is both events have made him worse one is bad enough both together have been honestly i feel the final nail in the coffin for what needs to be right there is no coming back from this can you imagine michael massey making any sort of decision in bahrain 2022 it's going to be 
it's going to be a farce straight away. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think about what um, what Alex said in last week's episode. He was coming off Australian Supercars, wasn't he? Oh, I want. I think he did. He was deputy to Charlie Whiting. Um, I, I, I want to. Uh, there's. Yeah, I'm sure he came through supercars at some point. It, it, which is, it's like getting Alan Gow and the BTCC to suddenly go to F1. It's just not going to work. Exactly. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to say. I mean, it, it makes no sense. It's com- it's a completely different type of racing. Yeah, I think he did. I'm just going uh, to check that. But I, I have it in my head that he once was. I've got it up here. Uh, he worked as deputy race director in the Supercars Touring Car Series at Rally Australia. Uh, 2018, he was appointed by the FIA as the Formula 2 and Formula 3 deputy race director and was appointed deputy to F1 race director Charlie Whiting in 2018 as well. Then, of course, following Whiting's sudden death in 2019, he took on the role as Formula 1 race director. So, so it's not even like he's been thrown into the deep end. He's actually had some interaction as... A deputy race director in lower formula, i.e. Formula Three and what well, are now Formula Three and Formula Two. Mm-hmm. So you would think he's got some sort of nous about him. Yeah. The um the second point and the, the follow point I was going to ask about Michael Massey. If he does somehow retain his role going into the first race of the new season, what are your personal opinions going to be? How are you personally going to feel knowing Michael Massey is in charge of the race? But now knowing that the FIA communications thing is going to be taken out. How do you feel knowing he's in charge? I won't trust. I won't trust any decision he ever makes because the next race there might be something different. There there will be no trust from my benefit. Thinking, okay, finally set a line. There's a precedent there. Oh no, it's gone. It's just going to be like that. Yeah, I'd be terrified of having him another season. It'd be going into every season, into every race, every Sunday, with. A really odd and bizarre sense of uh, not knowing what to expect. Yeah, and there is the, there's the element of safety as well. I'm slightly concerned about because if you're going to start allowing Brazil turn four and that sort of racing, which is that's all about let them race. No, it's not. It's not that is going too far. One day it won't be Hamilton or a wise head on the outside letting it go. We saw what happened in Italy and to an extent in Britain, that it will be a crash. And if you've got, say, a belligerent Charles Leclerc or a belligerent George Russell thinking, nah, not getting out of your way. You might be world champion, but I'm not getting out of your way, Max. One day it'll happen at a high-speed corner, like cops, and instead of just flying into a barrier, they'll actually fly and go into a fence and into a stand. And it's eventually that is where it goes. Even in the 50s and 60s, when they knew what the dangers were, it would still happen every now and then. And that was them being careful. They are no longer being careful. Yeah. So at that point, you will end up getting worse and worse incidents leading up to the horror 1955 Le Mans-esque yeah, I throw into the mix as well, drivers like Max Verstappen are incredibly aggressive, uh, sometimes in their favour, sometimes against. Um, and also having other drivers changing their politics, like um, Leclerc, I believe, said he's going to change how he's driving based on the outcome of the result of Brazil 2021. Yeah, scary. Um, yeah, and also Lando Norris and the press conference for this Grand Prix said, oh, what are you going to do to make sure you can get in front of uh, the Ferraris? 
He's like, break test him. It's only a 10 second penalty. Now, of course, that's a joke, but that's also first, true. As a first hit response, when does that stop becoming a joke? And well, the thing is, get... that's, that's not the first time that's happened with um, Sebastian Vettel at Brazil. I'm going to touch his rear wing. No, I don't, you better <laughs> not. Maybe I'll touch his front wing. Maybe it's 25 grand. <laughs> it's, that one is clearly a joke, but it's the same sort of pattern which eventually will sink down to the lower formula and the drivers coming up from Formula 2 will go, well, why not? Let's give it a go. Let's yeah, try. Let's, what happens let's if mix, I try? Let's mix in Nikita Mazepin with that um, attitude. That could be interesting next year if you put him up battling other cars other than Schumacher. So that that's... You never know, he might learn. But the problem is there are lots and lots of Nikita Mazepins in terms of hyper-aggressive defending and attacking. So it, it may not be Masmin. Masmin may end up having the cleanest season, but the season after, someone from Formula 2 goes, graduates up and just breaks the sport. Because yeah. it's been allowed to happen. The escalation, whilst gentle in nature, will always lead to the same place. And that is big, crashy-smashy. <laughs> or it got very depressing there very yeah. serious very quickly. In that I, case, thought I thought I'd cheer it up by saying smashy smashy would you like me to bring in a slightly lighter note that might entertain a few of the uh, listeners no, no. right now it got depressing but if we get real for a second and, and, you know that could actually happen mm. and the one oh, to yeah. blame would be Michael Massey yeah, yeah, it eventually has to come down to race direction and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So Go on, bring the lighter topic then. Right. So the lighter bit of the conversation. I was um as you know, I've been I've been homebound for the last two days and I had the opportunity to watch the FIA prize gala today. And watching it, I was expecting a little bit of a contentious time based on the fact that Toto, Wolf and Lewis Hamilton weren't turning up, which we discussed earlier. Um, but also it was made clear that quite early on there was a new punching bag in town. And this was meant to be quite a big finale for this individual. This individual was Jean Todd. Uh, now, I know one third of this uh, podcast has a particularly strong feeling about uh, Jean Todd. Ooh, hiss. <laughs> and today, some rather remarkable things happened. Now, the headlines will be the positive. First of all, they had a very big moment. They, they stopped right before the, FI, the um, F1 prize givings. They gave a segment to Jean Todd. And... Uh, lots of people like Stefano Domenicali were telling him and praising him on his true values throughout his time in the sport. Uh, Felipe Massa, I will always be on your side. And he received some amazing awards today. Uh, not awards, sorry, some amazing trophies. He received every single grid, uh, every single driver's helmet on the grid signed by them in this massive case, which was lovely. And he then received a, a one-off uh, helmet which was signed by every world champion during his reign, which was a very interesting word <laughs> choice there. <laughs> signed oh, wait, by every world champion during his reign. Sorry? You, that's a quote? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, oh, oh. And then we get into the really fun stuff. So, yes, he was nominated. <laughs> For the Personality of the Year Award. <laughs> Alongside Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Ogier, Andreas Seidel, Lewis Hamilton, and Lando Norris. Your boy, John Todd. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> oh, but we're not done yet. Nick DeVries, the Formula E world champion, was given the trophy, and he decided not to sit on the fence. He decided to stand on one very clear part of it. And as a quote, he said that he was very intimidated by Jean Todd when he first talked to him. And apparently, and this is where I quote, Jean Todd asked him a mass question to which Nick, whilst being quite intimidated, wasn't able to answer. And he responded, well, it's okay. I wouldn't take a driver like you. Nick then responded by saying, I then found a team which <laughs> I worked hard. I found a team that had faith in me and I'm now the Formula E world champion. And what made this better? What really, really dug the knife in the back? Right before his moment, the script, which the presenters were obviously reading very well, said that Jean Todd is known for imparting knowledge to the younger drivers. And it was fucking hilarious. I, I had to make notes on it. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was incredible. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it was, god. It, honestly, it was amazing. Oh. It was outstanding. Oh dear. I haven't watched it. I will I will have to at some point tonight. <laughs> But I think I think possibly I think the, the only thing I might have paraphrased is rain. I'm pretty sure they said rain. I had to like obviously I was spitting out my drink at the time, just trying to scribble all these notes down. But yeah, Nick DeVries called him out, and they unintentionally referred back to it later. It was amazing. It was yes. so so good. Oh, oh, King Todd has left the building. Oh, King De Vries. I just love that he called him out. And the thing is, like, and what made it best, when Jean Todd got up to accept his interview, he jumped up onto the stage. Like I say jumped. He like kind of climbed up onto the stage and the presenter was like, oh, I don't need a stunt crew for that. He was sitting about three seats away from De Vries at this point. You couldn't have written it. This office-level sitcom funny. And it was just, honestly, <laughs> De Vries calling him out so hard was amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. In fairness, that does sum up Todd Ray. It's all about style, assuming you've got the substance and then realising, oh, crap, I haven't got any at all. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the, is... amount people, the amount of people talking very fondly about him were obviously Ferrari-affiliated. <laughs> Shock horror. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's interesting. That was, was meant to be obviously quite a touching moment. And... To his credit, he took it well. Um, he got obviously quite emotional talking about it a little bit. He brought up obviously his uh, friendship with Schumacher. The issue was he just didn't kind of let the Ferrari stuff go by accident. Like a bit by accident, he just didn't let that part go. And that's always been a contentious issue with him in his position anyway. But I just had to share that with you. As this was happening, I started to make notes. And my original notes were, I'm showing, uh, showing to the uh, Zoom chat. I had basically one column. And I was like, Jean Todd, like surprises like this. Uh, surprises nominated for personality of the year. Then all the arrows next to it, which now take up an entire page, were not planned. I did not expect to write all of this. <laughs> I thought that in itself would be a fun tip, oh. let alone the rest of the bloody page. It was honestly nothing short of incredible. <laughs> Hamilton, by the way, ended up winning the um, Personality Award for his efforts off track, which I completely understand. But Jean Todd's face popping up, Doctor Who style, is all like all the reference of all the people who've done it. Why is Jean Todd Personality of the Year in any way, shape, and form? 
He wouldn't have got personality of the year even when he was at Peugeot or Ferrari. It was the the man is a good leader in a sports team, but the the personality element doesn't come across <laughs> ever. That's the he, thing that I was going to mention that you know if if working at Ferrari was the best thing I've ever done in my life, or the best thing I've ever done in motorsports, I wouldn't have I wouldn't let it go either. Well, you've probably got a load of people at Persia going, what the... Hang on, we were there. We were the ones who got you to be in a position where you could have gone to Ferrari. So, if you... Yeah. And also, to be fair, when he's been meant to be in an impartial position for the last God knows how many years, well, you want to keep bringing that up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I figured this would be really depressing. I figured there'd be a few months of this podcast which would be a little bit so ringing and depressing. So, this wrote itself. This oh. was meant to be one fun anecdote that turned into an entire page it was uh, again if you can watch those moments i'll see if i can timestamp them for you but my god it was again if you can just watch nick devries search on twitter people are going mental for it it's incredible how long That's, was that thing oh several hours <laughs> yeah it's ridiculously <laughs> long isn't it yeah and i think as well the th- when they went on to the um formula one awards they did like a whole 10 minute spiel including focusing on silverstone saudi arabia and abu oh. dhabi Oh, which yeah. is not the what's happening you i, I probably would cut those moments just in case there's also another fantastic moment where they're talking to the junior carters and they're like and to award this amazing trophy to the up-and-comers we've got max verstappen max verstappen turns up holds oh, yeah. the trophy says who am i giving it to uh points to the kid gives it over and they go right so little jimmy who are your main <laughs> inspirations driving and without missing a beat he goes lewis and sebastian <laughs> I saw that. That was fantastic. Verstappen's got to just stand in there. That's off. just a that's just a kid being a kid, and it's just so brilliant. Oh, it's it's like Drive to Survive season two when um, the Horner goes. So, little daughter, who's your favourite driver? They go oh. Vettel, and he goes, <laughs> say that again, and then you re- and then you realise that the dog's fucking called Flavio. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, that's just brilliant. Knowing, knowing, about saying, knowing that Alex isn't the biggest fan of John Todd, I knew that would be music to his ears. It is, and it's fantastic. I'm just, I'm just sitting here wallowing in the joyousness of what you've told me, (laughs) and it's fantastic. (laughs) The problem is, as his rain has gone on, I'm using rain specifically now. (laughs) He's got his lack of what. He might be quite good behind the scenes, but there's no sign of it anywhere else. And it doesn't appear to be fit, doesn't appear to be going down to his race directors in Formula E or Formula One, because Scott Elkins does have his moments where he, nothing happens either. So it's his leadership or lack thereof filters down to everyone underneath, and it's just he seems all relaxed and lackadaisical, and then everyone else becomes they follow his lead. So at least with Balest and Mosley, you had you follow certain rules and you follow procedure and all that sort of thing, and you make sure you don't offer teams deals mm. mid-race. Yeah. And it's because I, I admittedly Balest went too far the other way, but looking back, Mosley kind of had it right where most of the teams disliked him, but he had a point. He's not there to like it. In a position like that, you're not there to be liked. It was, I mean, it's, 
Charlie Whiting was, uh, but obviously he's liked after he passed. At the time, I'm not, I'm not sure how many people well, said that he was I, liked during the time. I, no, he wasn't necessarily liked, but he was respected and very respected. well respected. It's like, well, Sid Watkins is possibly not the right one because he was liked and respected. But it's that level of... Ron Dennis, maybe? Because uh, some people, maybe. some people probably disliked, some people probably disliked him, but they still respect him for bringing the success to McLaren. Yeah, I think the way he did it was, yeah, I think there is an element to that. But it's the that respect didn't come from Mosley. Let's put it that way. Oh, well, they who made, the, who made the who made yeah. the comment after finding the hundred million for Spygate, saying ten million of it was uh, because of the Spygate, ninety million was because it was from tennis. No, but no, didn't, well, didn't, didn't you say more specifically like because you're a bastard? I think it probably ends something like that. However, yeah. that's not the bit that tends to be quoted. But yeah, it was yes, something it's, like it's that. Shockingly. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad we're getting rid of him. <laughs> like, I do get to say something about um, Ian Todd. And it has nothing to do with his leadership or anything. Because I know it's not the greatest thing, but for some reason it's a thing that stuck with me all these years. We saw him show up at the weirdest and most bizarre events in the whole FIA uh, sanction events, um, which I guess it's fair. You know, it's not just Formula One. Yeah. But I remember seeing him once just handing the trophies for the 24 hours of Le Mans in trucks. The oh. 24 hours truck, whatever... Essentially, 24 hours on Le Mans for trucks. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> hmm. that, that's, the one, that's the one thing that he had right, and that was realising we're more than just Formula One. Yeah. But he didn't do anything about it other than turning up and in a suit and smiling whenever a camera came near him. Yeah. Because Ooh, I, I I'm struggling to think of anything he's done that he's thought of and got implemented in his time. Because mm. although the halo has appeared during his reign, that was not his idea. I don't think it was. I think yeah, that I think. the idea of having head protection did exist pre Todd as FIA president. Mm -hmm. Whether he pushed help push it through, I don't know. But he, he's not. He wasn't the person who came and said, "Oh, we've got to have this," and go from there. But if anyone knows of anything he's done specifically in the last 12 years, please let me know. Yeah, please. Yeah, right Generally very interested to know. Mm -hmm. Ideas yeah. had and what he's implemented. Yeah. We're missing a poll, guys. If we still need God. polls or if you still want to do them. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, the problem, there's, there's so many polls we could do. Yeah, this is the issue. Um, do an election special. Who's going to be the next FIA president? Oh, we can't do that to a poll. <laughs> yes, we can. We can't give enough names. We've only got... T there's only two people standing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you've got... Um, you've got... Um, oh, what's his name? The British guy. You've got Graham Stoker and you've the got um, Mohammed bin Sulayem. I see that guy's a Saudi guy, isn't he? I mm -hmm. think he's in Saudi. I, I can't be honest. Uh, UAE, I think. UAE, my apologies. Uh, one thing I was going to say going forward was my last bit on the FIA prize color. Uh, do, can, do you reckon you know 
what the FIA Action of the Year Award went to. Can you think you can guess which which piece of motor racing this year in the FIA licensed events it went Action to? Of the, I mean, at this point, Ooh. they have so many awards that I'm struggling to like yeah. figure Yo, out what, what it's sort of like, what you get the award for. Um, this one was just the best on-track action. Would it be something stupid like uh, the WTCC or something like Race 3 in Salzburg Ring or something like that? I no, think that was one of the, or something like that. Was that the one where Christofferson went sideways into the first corner? Also the wrong series. Oh my god. WTCC. Oh not, sorry, I haven't heard that. Not sorry. World Rally Cross. <laughs> well, that was third, by the way. Spoiler. That one was third. <laughs> something no, it has to be something to do with their new like the thing with electric cars and nobody watches it. Um Probably extreme right. e. Oh, extreme. It, it, it wasn't extreme. an extreme either. I'll give you a clue. The actual winner was in Formula One. Oh crap! <laughs> um, oh, what could it be? If it's Hamilton and the magic button, no, no. Thankfully, it wasn't that. Uh. <laughs> no, this was a good piece of side by side action. Uh, had a significant impact on the end of the race, whichever race it might have been, and was genuinely enjoyable to watch. Oh, I thought it was is a it, deserving winner. Is honest. it? Is it Ocon getting overtaken? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I tell you what, I though, to, give, to give you a clue, you got the right constructor who won it. Oh. Oh, is it going to be Fernando and Lewis at Hungary? Yes. Yeah. Well done. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. The action of the year was wasn't just a particular piece; it was the entire battle. Um, that's and I fair. Thought that's worthy. I thought, yeah. especially considering the impact that it did essentially give off on the victory. And guess what? They didn't crash. No. Because <laughs> I, I will yeah. say this. It's, uh, the one thing that bugged me about Verstappen this week was, which, which he got away with, his high progressiveness doesn't mean he plays a long game. Because if you've got better tyres, and on lap one and on the last lap, he had better tyres, more grippy, yeah. you don't make that lunge into turn six and you wait for turn nine and you wait for turn six rather than doing in turn five on the last lap. Yeah. I can understand turn six on lap one. I can understand that, even though he cocked it up. I did not get why on earth he made the move into turn five. Of all places, why on earth did he not it was wait? A big risk. But it's he big... did it. He pulled it off, but it was not the one I'd have done personally. I'd have waited till turn six, um, block the apex for Hamilton, and run away with it into turn nine. We could be missing something. Hamilton could have parked his car right on the apex of um, uh, six and then the nine. So maybe he was seeing that. But even so, that's a that's a punch. And that's that's me trying to play you know, both sides. I think the, the move into turn five was risky at best. Yes. Given how late it was, it was not necessarily the best idea. But he got away with it. He made it work. And Hamilton played fair. Or say that. Let him go. But yeah, I think it's something Max will have to look out for if he wants to win loads more championships because it won't work with every every driver. I mean, next year it could cost him seventh place in the race. <laughs> I know I'm being mean about Red Bull, but I can imagine them not being anywhere near the top of the field next year. I can see that too. Guys, is that a rap for a show? What was the is. poll? Uh, you uh, Graham Stoker or the UAE guy? Uh, for, Are we actually um, going to do that? <laughs> Why not? I'm, yeah, go on. Not? Yeah. yeah. Is more has anyone? Season's ever heard over. Of this to film? hell with it. 
My it's, it's either that or doing something along the lines of um, are you satisfied by this result? There's going to be a hundred percent no. I mean, you something yeah. where it's not going to be a, a clear cut answer, and there's not many. There's there's not many that aren't going to be clear cut answers after this race. Yeah. Well, right, well, I guess that's a wrap for our show, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. Please remember to like and share if you haven't, and check out our polls. And we'll see. Big, big shout out for next week. The Christmas special. Our Christmas special. Oh, we're going yes. to Botswana. Oh, no, that's not. No, we're not going to Botswana. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Catch you around, guys. See you later.